Mother's Day is around the corner and I have the best gift idea for you. Hold on to your hats. It's mylifeinabook.com. Every week, My Life in a Book will send your mom a question via email. They will compile all of your mom or the mom in your life's answers and create a legacy keepsake book. The book becomes something you and future generations can treasure forever. I gave both my mother and my mother-in-law my life in a book, and they've already started responding to the prompts. When my mother-in-law received her first prompt, she said, oh my goodness, what a thoughtful gift. And that's what we all want, right? We all want to give thoughtful gifts. So check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day, mylifeinabook.com, and use code SUSTAINABLE for 10% off today. Nothing nurtures the world above better than the soil below, and that's why I am so excited to introduce you to Coast of Maine. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that offers a full range of products designed to cover all of your garden and lawn needs. In years past, my vegetable garden, I neglected the soil and I didn't have much yield. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, your garden may not succeed. And so this year, I am so excited to cultivate the soil before planting the plants with Coast of Maine's organic products. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers, so next time you're at your local retailer, look for Coast of Maine products. Get growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you, coastofmaine.com. You're listening to episode 54 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. You are listening to the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a show about living simply and sustainably with your family. Here's your host, Stephanie Safarian. Hi there. I am so happy to have you join me. Did you know that air travel is the most serious environmental sin? I'm not joking. One round-trip flight from New York to Europe, for example, creates a warming effect equivalent to two or three tons of carbon dioxide per person. So if you're an American, that's about one-fifth of your total carbon emissions allotment per year. A round-trip flight between New York and California, and you have generated 20% of the greenhouse gases that your car emits over an entire year. The bottom line is that if you travel by airplane, you are emitting a significant amount of greenhouse gases into our atmosphere. There's really no way around it. And that's why today's guest, who is a serial traveler, by the way, has vowed to never travel by airplane again. Today, I am talking with the Earth Wanderess, aka Eve Uterdal. She is a full-time traveler. During today's interview, you will hear her describe herself as, quote, happily homeless. And we're going to be chatting about how she incorporates sustainability into her wandering lifestyle. Now, if you aren't ready to swear off flying just yet, but want to be a little more eco-friendly in your travels, stick around until after the interview because I'm giving you some easy tips that all of us can do 
when we're in the air to offset our carbon footprints. This week's show notes can be found at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 054, mamaminimalist.com forward slash 054. Enjoy the interview. Eve, how are you? Thank you so much for coming on. Hi, thank you. I'm good. Thank you for having me. You are living my dream life. So before we get into all the amazing things you're doing in terms of sustainability, why don't we start by you telling us all about who you are and what you do daily? Uh, So I'm Eve. I'm 26 years old from Sweden, but I'm happily homeless, just traveling full time and have been for about two years. And uh, yeah, very passionate about nature and hiking and also the environment, which is basically what I do with my days. I try to work with um, sustainability and how to uh, engage more people to become more conscious. Tell us about how you got the travel bug. Um, so I, I was lucky enough to travel quite a bit with my family as as a child, but I think when it really got like an addiction was five years ago when I went on my first solo trip. And that was by kind of accident. I was supposed to go with the boyfriend I had, but we broke up before the trip. So I went alone instead. And I just fell in love with traveling alone. And the first thing I did when I was when I came back from that trip was to book another solo trip and that just kept on going and I just never stopped. I'm sure there are many people out there wondering how on earth do you make full-time travel work financially? If you could just give us a little spotlight into how you vacation as a job. Well, so the first three years I had what you would call like a normal job with, you know, five vacation weeks every year. But I was lucky enough to be able to kind of choose my vacation days whenever I wanted to. So I didn't have to choose every year in advance. I could find a good deal on flights and for the next week or something and just like, oh, I'll just go on that trip because it's cheap. And I would try to book things, you know, along the weekends or holidays, so I didn't have to take that much time off work. And then two years ago, I started doing freelance writing. But I actually decided to start traveling full-time before I had any other, like before I had any online jobs. Um, And my plan then was to just, I don't know, work in hostels or cafes or clean toilets whatever I had to do to just travel full time. But I was super lucky to get offered um, a freelance job as a travel writer. And then I did that for about a year. And also my Instagram started growing with this. So then I came into this whole Instagram job (laughs) with um, 
you know, sponsored posts. And then that has led to other kinds of jobs. So now I've also started to do some um, lecturing. And yeah, that's kind of where I am now. Well, I do definitely want to plug your Instagram because it is amazing. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> but a big part of what sets you apart from other full-time wanderers is that you've decided to travel without the use of airplanes. So without the use of flying. Tell us about that decision. Yeah. So first of all, like because I traveled for so long, I have flown more than most people will do in their lifetime. Um, And I guess I, I mean, I've always known it's bad for the environment, but I didn't know how bad it was. And I guess I didn't really look too much into it because I honestly didn't know how bad it was. And then in January this year, 2018, I saw this, it was just a tiny little article and it just said there, um, you know, the numbers black on white. Um, And that's when I realized how bad flying was. It was this woman who had gone on a trip uh, to Bali with her family and then came back and did the calculation and realized that just that flight had used up her entire year worth of carbon footprint. And that's when I realized how bad it was. And I was like, I cannot do this. I am like one of the worst people in the world when it comes to, you know, the carbon footprint. So basically, as soon as the shock kind of (laughs) eased a bit, I just said, I can't do this. I'm not going to fly anymore. I will absolutely link to that resource in this week's show notes for any travelers who want to learn more about how their traveling by air measures up in terms of carbon emissions. But I'm wondering, have there been any destinations you've wanted to go to that are now off limits due to your decision to no longer fly? Not at all. A lot of people ask me like, oh, how does it feel? You're not going to be able to go to Australia or, you know, or the Americas. I'm like, well, we have traveled all around the world long before there were airplanes. So nothing's really, nothing's off limits. Yeah, it makes me think a lot about the convenience factor. There's a lot of items in existence that are made purely for convenience. And perhaps the airplane is another one of them, right? Like, it's a convenient way to get somewhere far away fast. But maybe it's not absolutely necessary. Would that be accurate? Oh, absolutely. Airplanes just by themselves is this amazing invention. It's just that how we use it is just so bad and we use it too much and for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, it's definitely about the convenience. And a lot of people travel because it is convenient and not just because they really dream about going to a place. And I think, I guess it's kind of, you know, if if you're on top of a mountain and you have this amazing view, you kind of enjoy it more if you've climbed up the mountain than if you took like a gondola up there. You know what I mean? 
That's an amazing metaphor. Thank you for sharing it. You're right. The the beauty is oftentimes in the journey and the struggle to get to the top. Absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned earlier that as you travel to new places, you make sustainability a big part of your travels. Tell us how you do that. So I'm vegan, first and foremost, because that's also one of the biggest things about having a a small footprint. And so I try to eat locally. So if I'm in a place, I try to eat what's in season for that place in that location. And then also, I don't do a lot of shopping. And if I do, I tend to buy from smaller shops and stuff that are made there. And preferably handcraft artisan work and, you know, not use plastic and try to not have that much waste because depending on where you are, not everyone have very good recycling systems. And then also just try to talk about the issues and just kind of get people to get more aware of it. And then, of course, you know, taking the public transportation if I if it's too far to walk. And yeah, I guess just like the, to me, everyday things. I'm curious about your experiences in developing countries and specifically countries in which the infrastructure does not support sustainability. If you are trying to live an eco-friendly experience in such countries, do you experience any pushback or any side eyes or anything of the sort? Um, Yeah, so I guess one of the most noticeable things is that uh, developing countries tend to not care as much about their waste or like you can see it as in people actually throwing plastic things on the ground or by the side of the road that you wouldn't, I mean, you wouldn't really see someone do that in Sweden, for example. So I guess that the trash and the plastic is more visible. But then on the other hand, if it's a developing country, it's more simplified in a way, which in some cases is good. So that kind of by default you buy things there in bulk whilst here like in the western world in Sweden and in and in London you have these kind of fancier more modern places that are aware about the plastic issues and that's why they have the bulk sections whilst in other countries that are developing they have it because it's cheaper ah that's that's a really profound point right they do bulk not because it's sustainable. They do it for affordability reasons. Yeah, exactly. And also, you know, they take more care of the resources they have because they can't afford to use them and throw them away. So, you know, they, the water they have, they might use it more. They don't waste things and resources as easily and in as large quantities as we do in the Western world. I know there are people listening today who are interested in minimalist packing tips. And if there's anybody I'm ever going to be able to ask this question, it's you. 
What are your best tips for packing minimally, but also smartly? So I love things that has multi-purpose. So kind of things that I can use in a lot of different ways. Like I'm sure everyone's heard this, but a sarong, you can have it as a blanket. You can have it as a towel because it's so thin, it dries super fast. You can have it, have it as a scarf or a pillow or as a, a dress, or you can just use it for anything. And same goes with like a swimsuit. I use that as a top. I just put pants above. And then also when it comes to, I guess when it comes to most things, just to simplify, you know, and just downsize. And that took time to kind of realize what I actually need. Also, start by having a small bag because you tend to pack for as much space as you have. So if you get a bigger bag, you're not necessarily going to have more empty space in it because you tend to fill that up. So a good way is probably to get a bag that you feel is doable. Um, like um, I've been traveling with a 34 liter backpack for a couple of years and that works for me. For some that might be very tiny, but for others, maybe it's more than they need. And then also for the things that you have, just try to get it in smaller versions. Like the laptop I have, I got the smallest one on the market at the time, uh, which is a MacBook Air 11 inch. Don't need bigger. It's smaller, lighter. I have a small power shot. I don't have a DSLR. And yeah. Well, those are great tips. I mean, there's nothing worse than going on a vacation with a gigantic bag, right? Because you're in charge of lugging it around most of the time. You want to be light. You want to be able to pick it up. You want to be able to go, go, go at a moment's notice. So I love those tips. And I also love what you said about getting a smaller bag. That's really step one, right? Because if you have a bigger bag, you're going to fill it. And it's the same with a home. If you have a bigger home, chances are real good you're going to fill it, right? Like your your stuff expands to fill the container. Exactly. I have a couple questions just to ease my curiosity. The first one is, what is one of your most favorite travel memories? Oh, wow. There are so many. <laughs> well, pick one. Just <laughs> paint me a picture. Okay, so the one that just came to mind now uh, was when I was in Guatemala two or three years ago, and I got up with my friend at 2.30 in the morning, and we hiked up a mountain in complete darkness, and it was me, two friends, and a guide and his dog, and you could tell this guy did this a lot because he was walking fast and it was steep and my friends are fit like as in working out regularly I have not been working out for five years and it was so tough to keep up with them and I almost stopped and like didn't finish because I was just I couldn't do it it was so tough but eventually like 
I kept on going. We came to the top, and this was along Lake Atitlan, and we sat there and waited for the sunrise, and we sat there for a few hours, and it was so incredibly beautiful, and it was just like this, I don't know how to explain it, but it was just, it changed in so many different forms with all these colors. And that was just, yeah, it's it's so hard to describe. It was like um, colors coming alive and just moving around and turning into other kinds of colors. It's it it was just it was just magical. What I love about your response is that it had nothing to do with technology. It had nothing to do with your laptop or your phone. It was just that was a 100% completely natural phenomenon that you were able to witness. Where are you going next? I'm going to Stockholm for a week. And then after that, I'm going to London. That's wonderful. I'm so thrilled to be able to talk to a wanderer. I'm a wannabe wanderer. My kids keep me uh, close to home. (laughs) But Eve, where can listeners find more of you? So my main platform is Instagram. And that's earthwanderess. And then I have a website, earthwanderess.com. And yeah, I guess that's where I'm mostly active. And we can follow your travels there. Absolutely, yeah. There's old stuff there as well. So all old blog blog posts and old pictures. Oh, and they're all excellent. I will say I will link absolutely to your Instagram and also your website in the show notes. But Eve, I just want to thank you so much for giving the time to come on. I know we had some logistical, I don't want to say difficulties. I'll say like hiccups with the time (laughs) difference. But um, thank you so much. It's midnight where you are. And it was just a pleasure to talk to you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I so hope you enjoyed that chat with Eve Uterdal. As promised, here are some tips for travelers looking to be a bit more eco-friendly. The first tip, obviously, is to fly less. If everyone flew less, airlines would fly fewer planes and they would in turn burn less jet fuel, right? But if that isn't an option for you, always fly coach. A study from the World Bank found that flying business class emits approximately three times more emissions than flying coach. Whenever you can, choose direct flights and make sure you pack light. Now, you can also offset your greenhouse gas emissions by supporting causes that plant trees or support wind farms or conserve forests with your dollars. And finally, know that there are different kinds of fuels and some airlines perform better when it comes to fuel burning than others. Last year, for example, United Airlines started using biofuels in all of its flights out of Los Angeles. Biofuel is able to cut at least 60% of greenhouse gas emissions compared to regular jet fuel. And you can check the fuel efficiency of the airlines you fly According to the International Council on Clean Transportation, the two airlines that perform the best when it comes to efficient fuel emissions are Alaska Airlines and Spirit Airlines, whereas the two worst are American Airlines and Allegiant 
air. Now, finally, a quick note on the ridiculous amount of disposables that airlines are using these days. I flew with my family recently, and I was really just appalled at all the single-use items the stewardesses handed out to passengers. So here are my tips to do your small part on eliminating trash while flying. It's kind of the same that you do in everyday life. Just make sure you carry those efforts onto the airplane. Bring your own earbuds. Bring your own stainless steel water bottle and ask the stewardess to fill it up. Bring your own food. And finally, say no to the unhealthy plastic-wrapped snacks, those peanuts, those crackers that they hand out. Now, on next week's show, we are chatting with Rob Greenfield. He is another sustainability pioneer who has made some drastic changes with regard to his food. I will see you then. Take care. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.